This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hello and welcome to Saver, production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about clothes. We cover some ground in this one, that is for sure. We do. I feel like this is the most I've spent writing about not food on this food podcast in quite a while. Um, but I enjoyed yes. every second of it. <laughs> I'm very, very excited to get into what you were excited about. And listeners, you're just going to have to wait. That's some <laughs> titillation, some yeah. anticipation building of yeah. what's to come. Yeah, it's also, as many of our Spice episodes are pretty upsetting in a colonialism related way um yeah so uh <laughs> yeah it's a mixed bag um and i will say like i i don't have too much experience with clothes i know i've had a plenty oh, of stuff really? that has it huh. in there okay um you know it's just not something i cook with too often however i did need clothes for something and just through this whole like pandemic and grocery shopping and my my nightmare of a cupboard and pantry <laughs> uh I actually found I was looking for something else but I found this huge thing of cloves <laughs> like whole cloves like ground cloves no like ground cloves but it's, okay it's big huh. and it must have been what the only thing I could find but I've already rebought cloves because I couldn't find that sure. <laughs> so now I got a lot of cloves yeah I can think of some recipes yeah, and you use so little of it, especially ground. Um, that's oofta. Yeah, cloves are one of the things that that in my spice cabinet, 
um, especially due to like roommate compilations of spices. I think we have to have like four containers of ground cloves and no one needs, (laughs) no one needs that much ground cloves. We also have at least one container of whole cloves and it's just, it's, it's quite, it's quite a lot. It's, it's Mm -hmm. an embarrassment of riches. Um, (laughs) and, uh, (laughs) it's a strong flavor too. Like you said, yeah, you really don't need that much. (laughs) Yeah, now, now after having done all of this reading, I'm like, okay, like arts and crafts time. <laughs> Let's figure something out here. Oh, I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about that. I okay. mean, it is something I do associate with the holidays. Oh, sure. Um, so it's pretty timely for for me at least, and I think for a lot of people. You can see our other spice episodes before we get into this one. Um, perhaps particularly nutmeg. Yep. Uh, a lot of their histories closely intertwined. Um. But I guess that brings us to our question. I guess it does. Cloves. What are they? Well, uh, cloves are a type of spice made of the dried flower bud of a plant. uh, Used, yes, uh, either whole or ground into a powder. Dark brown or near black with like a reddish tint to it. Uh, Whole cloves are these um, small woody textured things that look sort of like a like a like a nail or maybe a pin, um, usually about a half inch to an inch long, like a centimeter or two. The flavor is warm and and yeah, like woodsy, um, both a little bit sweet and a little bit bitter and a little bit um, cool and numbing on the tongue. It's uh, it's like it's like mint but a version of mint that grew up on the beach. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, beach mint. Beach mint, sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, The the plant that it comes from, um, botanical name, Zizigium aromaticum. Um, It's a tropical evergreen tree in the Myrtaceae family, which contains uh, lots of aromatic plants, like the common myrtle and eucalyptus, for example. Clove trees are grown in coastal areas and will reach about 25 to 40 feet high, that's about 8 to 12 meters, and start producing flowers after about 4 to 6 years, but can keep flowering and fruiting for some like 80 years. And these flower buds are collected before they bloom, but after they have developed um, a a bright reddish-pink color. And they're picked by hand, either as they each mature or, or much more economically, um, all in one go after the whole tree, more or less, has been matured with the application of, like, a plant hormone. Either way, when you pick them, um, a a clove bud will have these four wee petals surrounding a a small bulb or ball on top of of a cylinder of like plant reproductive stuff. And when that bud is dried, the petals will uh, shrink up against that that cylinder of plant reproductive stuff um, and back from the ball, which, given the chance, would have bloomed out into into dozens of, of tiny filaments. It's really pretty. It's like a it's like a firework. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but instead, all of that potential scent is preserved in this dried clove bud. Um, the main scent compound in cloves is eugenol, which was named for a previously accepted botanical name for cloves, uh, genus uh, Eugenia. And similar compounds show up in stuff like basil 
and the green tops of carrots. If you're looking for kind of what that what that tastes like. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> also, more etymology. Zizigy. Um, the word that zizigium, um, the the currently accepted botanical genus name for cloves is um, zizigy. Super fun word. Um, that's been applied in a number of ways throughout the sciences and arts, but generally means a conjunction of opposing bodies or, or like a union of opposites. Ooh, I like that. Syzygy. Oh. <laughs> um, and it was apparently chosen for cloves, uh, for like the most pedestrian reason possible because of like the way, like the totally not unusual at all way that the leaves are paired across branches on the tree. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so poetic. They're like, yeah, the leaves are sort of, you know, across from each other. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the word clove itself comes from um, from its shape, uh, from the Latin for a nail, like a, like a nail that you would hammer. Yeah. Um, and... Also, also, it's etymologically unrelated to cloves of garlic, um, which comes from the Proto-Germanic for, like, cleft or, or cloven. Yeah? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, anyway, so I, yes. I, I read a lot of weird stuff in this one, and I got excited about all of it, and so now you guys have to listen to it. That's, I that's... love it. <laughs> it's our pleasure <laughs> and great honor. <laughs> Excellent. Um, uh, as Annie was saying earlier, in the United States, yes, uh, cloves are perhaps most often part of, like, winter holiday recipes, both sweet and savory, um, and show up right in seasonings for things like mulled wine, um, hams, cakes, cookies, pies. Uh, it's part of pumpkin spice flavoring most of the time. Uh, used whole cloves sometimes serve a dual, uh, flavoring and decorative purpose, um, like, because they've got that that sort of nail shape, that sort of spike or nail shape, and it's got a pointy end, so you can use it to stud things like hams or oranges um, in a, in sort of cross-hatch designs or other patterns that, like, are meant to be pretty, but definitely remind me of Hellraiser a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was running across this in the research, I was like, ooh. <laughs> I feel mixed emotions right now. <laughs> it's like, it's both pretty and like goth is all heck. So I'm yes, like, all right, yes. well, cool. Um, <laughs> uh, oranges or other fruit that are that are so studded with cloves are sometimes called pomanders um, and are used as, yeah, like decorative uh, air, air fresheners or air centers. Um, yeah. More, <laughs> more on that later. Yes, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, cloves show up in all kinds of products, though. Um, it is a primary ingredient in a Worcestershire sauce um, and a frequent spice used in ketchup and pickles, especially like sweeter pickles um, uh, and soups and stews. It's also used to give a kick to everything from like simple rice dishes to um, to complex spice blends destined for all kinds of sweet and savory foods and drinks around the world. Um, it's frequently in Chinese five spice, um, also in garam masala and masala chai, also an ingredient in pho. Mm. 
Mm. All the good things. Oh, I love pho. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hoofta. Um, uh, It's used in non-food items as well. Um, Shows up a lot in the cosmetic and scent industries as a perfume for perfume or for soaps or whatever. Um, Also used in tobacco products. And and this was new to me. um, In the scientific preservation of biological samples. What? Like if you're preserving an insect for for a slide mount, um, you 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 want to make you want to make it transparent for viewing on the slide, right? And so so for permanent preservation, um, you would do a clearing step, wherein you try to reduce the opacity of the sample. And clove oil will do that. That's wild. <laughs> I've I've read like. Like like people in biological fields speak with um with like nostalgia about using clove oil in these preparations. They were like the best day is clearing day because everything smells like cloves. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Also, given past lister of ales that we've read, that's the best reaction to have, other than like a knee jerk. I cannot stand this <laughs> smell anymore, and it's ruined for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess speaking of, what about the nutrition? Okay. Yeah, let's let's pivot back. Let's pivot back. We are ostensibly a food show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and right, as we were saying, you're typically not using that much. Um, it is the winter holiday spice that I am the most cautious with. And I, like, really like spicy desserts. Like, I put cayenne pepper in my pumpkin pie. Like, Ooh, like I want amazing. it to be, like, <laughs> like near, near, like, I want it to be, like, nigh-on savory. Um, so, anyway, my point is, use cloves wisely. Um, and if using whole, uh, consider straining out before serving. Although some people like that sort of thing. I can't, again, I cannot tell you what to do. Nope. Historically, cloves have been used um, medicinally for a lot of different things, um, some of which have and some of which have not panned out scientifically. Um, Cloves are being investigated particularly for um, their compounds, antioxidant, antimicrobial, and antifungal properties, also promising as an insecticide, um, and maybe, maybe even for preventing or treating cancer, maybe. Mm -hmm. Basically, it makes sense why, I mean, other than having a flavor that many humans enjoy, um, cloves have often been used in food preservation. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, savor, savor slogan, uh, before consuming a medicinal quantity of anything, you know, just, just more research is necessary and human bodies are complicated. So, so consult a medical professional who is not us. Definitely not. Not. And I would like to say I would love a supercut of the evolution of the Saver slogan because I feel like you've grown more and more like <laughs> tired. <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> Most of that is the fact that I never write it out. And so, and yeah. so like I'll start into it and then I'm like, oh, what is the Saver slogan? <laughs> Where am I? How could Where you forget the same slogan? I recite it every morning when I wake up and every <laughs> night before I fall asleep. Even though it's never me that says it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> Uh, well, that's, that's more dedication than I have. So good show. Good show. We really do need like posters or something. I, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm buried. Like a little, like, like handheld, like devotional that people can carry anyway. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Okay. One more, one more fact about cloves that isn't related to food at all. Um, (laughs) it's also been studied as anesthesia for fish. Like what? <laughs> like if you've got nervous fish in an aqu- in an aquarium situation and you need to transport or handle your nervous fish, I, I don't know something something clove oil. I it's I read a lot of weird stuff about cloves, y'all. Oh, <laughs> nervous fish! I know. <laughs> I don't know why that touches my heart so much. Get you some clove oil if we need to. (laughs) Also, do not just dump clove oil in your fish tank. Absolutely don't do that. That's not that's not what I'm recommending either. This is like a sub segment of the saver slogan. Yeah, this is the fine print. Yes. Also (laughs) for nervous fish, consult a professional. (laughs) Fish bodies are complicated. <laughs> oh yeah, as as an aquarium owner, um, and I I I have vertebrates in there now. I feel Ooh. like I'm really leveling up. They're very small catfish, and they're very easy to take care of. But oh, we'll have to get an aquarium update from you. Soon. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Maybe I'll maybe I'll take some photos or something um, yes. and post them to those social media things that I never do anything with. <laughs> you sometimes do stuff. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes. Sure. Anyway, keep Thank those you. messages coming, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah. um, we do check them. We love hearing from you. Uh, well, we do have some numbers for you. Yeah. Uh, despite the small amounts used at any given time, Americans apparently go through some 3.7 pounds. That's like 1.7 kilos of cloves per person per year. Um, or we did as of 2015. That seems like a lot to me. It does seem like I don't, yeah, I I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I guess I didn't fact check the source. I'm not sure. Also, a single kilo of cloves, that's about two pounds, might contain 10,000 clove butts. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. As of 2019, um, Indonesia was the top producer, supplying around 74% of the world's supply. Um, it was also grown in places like Madagascar um, with another 13% and currently in much smaller quantities in places like Sri Lanka, um, Tanzania, Kenya, China, and Brazil. Around 180,000 metric tons are produced worldwide every year worth something like $400 million in in export value. Mm-hmm. And India imports the most, uh, followed by Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Singapore, and Pakistan. As of 2012, the believed oldest clove tree located on one of Indonesia's so-called Spice Islands was estimated to be 350 to 400 years old. Its name is Afo. And I hope this isn't another... This is a bit dated of a source, so I hope no, this is no. another situation where a listener writes in and is like, well, sorry to tell you. <laughs> sorry to be the one to let you know, but that tree is dead. We do. Breaking tree news is important. <laughs> we want to know. 
It, oh, absolutely. We won't be happy, but we yeah. want to know. <laughs> please, please don't worry about being the, the harbinger of bad tree news. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and we're actually going to talk a little bit more about that tree in the history section. Uh, we will. But first, we are going to get into a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so like so many things we talk about, pretty much everything we talk about, um, the origins on this one are difficult to pin down. Yep. Yeah, I feel like that's on my my specific Annie's gonna say this bingo card. <laughs> uh-huh, that's on uh-huh. me. It's like trying to explain Spider-Man's origins and reboots and alternate universes to somebody who really has no idea what you're talking about, uh, which I have done on more than one occasion recently. It's on your mind. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's kind of what this one felt like for me, because I was like, but I thought we said, we, and it's okay. And then, oh, <laughs> all right. But okay. wait. <laughs> um, okay, so, but this other that, thing, too? Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, all right. Uh, but, yeah. all right, given that, according to some sources, cloves originated in the Indonesian Maluku Islands, where it was grown almost exclusively until the 17th century. More on that in a minute. Um, the sources are admittedly somewhat limited and or unavailable to me. So that's also a caveat. However, other sources suggest that cloves were introduced and used in China centuries earlier, perhaps as far back as the 2nd century BCE, both in cuisine and in medicine, and maybe as a breath-freshening requirement <laughs> before meeting the emperor, like you had to do it. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, sure, sure. yeah. The emperor okay. wants your breath to smell like cloves. Uh, sure. Now that is power. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if your breath doesn't smell like cloves, get out. 
Um, it was also used as a say it with me now aphrodisiac. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Records indicate that cloves were in India by the second century CE and that they showed up in Greek and Egyptian markets in first century CE. Um, in the following two centuries, Phoenician traders introduced cloves to the Mediterranean and eventually merchants introduced them throughout Europe. In those early days, uh, Egyptian and Arab writers were just waxing poetic about cloves, and no one at the time was entirely sure where they came from or how they were grown. It was another one of those things like um, like cinnamon, right, or, or nutmeg, where yeah. folks were just like, it's out there in the ocean somewhere. And it's a total mystery. Like there was a there was a legend that sailors traded with genies to obtain cloves. Like the sailors would like leave their wares out on the shore at night and then return in the morning to find cloves in place of their wares. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. no scientific evidence that that's what's what's going on. <laughs> Blast science. <laughs> um, there is, though, archaeological evidence of cloves um, in this port in Sri Lanka, dating to around 1000 CE. And their presence there likely means that the trade had brought them from the Muluku Islands. That's some 7,000 kilometers, like nearly 4,500 miles um, to Sri Lanka um, for further trade out to the Roman Empire or India or the Arabian Peninsula. So they were clearly a very uh, valuable um, item if they were, if the care was being taken to take them that far. Mm -hmm. Um, In India around that time, cloves were associated with Lakshmi, um, the Hindu goddess of, uh, of prosperity and beauty and wealth and all that good stuff. Yes. Yeah. And uh, throughout history, as we said, cloves have been used medicinally for a whole host of things. Clove oil has been used as an antiseptic and anesthetic, like for treating toothaches. Uh, and modern research has shown that eugenol does indeed help with the sort of pain that you experience from um, from tissue damage, like bruises um, and, and infections. So, uh, yeah, a nociceptive pain would fall under that category, like a, like a toothache. Hmm. Um and cloves were perhaps more popularly um, mentioned as a medicine in texts from around that time, but did also appear in the first known Arabic cookbook in the 10th century CE. Yes, and though cloves were becoming increasingly popular in the 8th century in Europe, um, the publication of Marco Polo's journals in the 1300s marked the first time that many Europeans learned about where their cloves were coming from. Mm-hmm. Polo described learning about cloves from ports in the East China Sea. In or before 1421, a commander named Zhang He formed alliances with Moluccan spice traders, and cloves were a part of that. Mm-hmm. When Magellan set off to circumnavigate the world in the 1500s, he left with five ships and a crew of 250 men. All that returned was one ship with 18 people, but they carried with them about 50 tons of nutmeg and cloves. Yeah, so this was considered a financial success at the time in Europe. Both spices were worth their weight in gold. Uh, Though they were a bit late to the game, the Portuguese secured a monopoly over cloves in the early 16th century, a monopoly they held onto for about a century. And then, yes, this finally, this brings us to the 17th century, um, when cloves took center stage in Europe's bid to control the world's spices. 
European traders started noticing cloves in their travels and wanted to find the source and control them. The Dutch desired to control the trade of cloves so badly that they would set fire to any clove trees they could find not growing on Dutch-owned lands. Yeah. Uh, The Dutch retained their control until other areas of the world started growing cloves despite their best efforts in the late 18th century. Um, And yeah, remember Afo, the believed oldest clove tree? on one of the Indonesian islands. In 1770, a Frenchman named Poivre stole some seedlings from this tree, and he went on to take some to France, the Seychelles Islands, and Zanzibar. In 1820, plantations used the labor of enslaved people in Zanzibar to produce cloves. Uh, By the late 1800s, with agricultural capacity in the Maluku Islands having been basically hamstrung by the Dutch's destructive um, uh, agricultural and cultural practices, yeah, Zanzibar became the global center of clove production. But a revolution in 1964, capping off a couple decades of disease uh, spread through clove trees by this one species of ant, uh, like the 1940s to the 1960s, really stopped the growth of Zanzibar's market, and the majority of production slowly filtered out to Madagascar and then back to Indonesia. Meanwhile, I had to put in a note about this because, as I believe I've mentioned before on this show, I am a goth of a certain age. Um, so so um, Europeans introduced tobacco to this region, um, the, the Indian Ocean region, in the early 1600s. And plantations were established by the 1800s, and cigarettes were being manufactured there by, like, the mid-1800s. And the first clove cigarettes, that is, cigarettes um, containing tobacco and ground cloves, were manufactured in central Java, Indonesia, around 1880. Um, They were, at the time, considered a medicinal treatment for sore throats and asthma. Uh, They were definitely not a treatment for asthma. Don't do that. Um, (laughs) But they, they then went international all the way up in the 1970s. Yeah. Oh, I totally yeah. forgot about clove cigarettes. Yeah. <sighs> I feel like I never really forget about clove cigarettes. <laughs> I've, I've never been a smoker. I've literally never smoked, and, um, and I still get nostalgic for clove cigarettes. Huh. Yeah. Well. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, all of this intrigue and violence led to and was fueled by um, the popularity of cloves and other spices like nutmeg in Europe. Um, And it was not always for food-related purposes. Uh, As said above, frequently it was more medicinal. For example, in the late 13 through early 1700s, cloves were widely incorporated into pomanders. Um, And yeah, these were these, these scented personal accessories a varying fanciness. Um, today we think of them as, as like a whole fruit, but back in the day they were like jewelry. They were like a, maybe carved wooden balls containing some nice smelling herbs from your garden, all the way up through some like gold or silver filigree adorned with gems and containing the most expensive spices money could buy. Um, and eventually, either I couldn't really track it down, but either before this or after this or both, Uh, This turned into just having an orange or maybe an apple studded with cloves and wrapped with ribbon. Um, They came up as personal accessories during the bubonic plague, 
um, during which a key belief was that bad smells caused disease and good smells were protective. We talk about this in our humors episode from way yes. back in the day. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> But the uh, the popularity of the of the clove studded orange in particular is sometimes attributed to Cardinal Thomas Wolsey of the Tudor era, who was written to carry um, and was later often depicted with in paintings um, and and other art. This clove studded orange wrapped with red ribbon. Um, apparently, the orange's flesh had been replaced with a sponge soaked in vinegar. Apparently, it smelled really really nice. Uh, Sam Neill carried one in the show, The Tudors, portraying Wolsey. And uh, note here that this, like, I think that this was, like, his way of being like, nah, nah, y'all, like, I'm of the people. Like, I, like uh. I'm not that fancy. But this, like, earthy version was still pretty much hella expensive at the time. Like, oranges <laughs> and cloves and nice ribbons were all luxury items. So even though it wasn't, I don't know, like, enameled and everything, it was still like, okay. Okay. Yeah, we see you. <laughs> we see your fancy pomodoro. At any rate, um, the fruit versions became um, popular as holiday gifts and or decor. Later in the 1700s and into the 1800s, um, sort of after the personal accessories had fallen out of fashion, and as um, cloves and other spices became more accessible, though they were still like reserved for like special occasions like holidays. Then in the 1800s, the trade of commercial goods, like these, you know, at that point, middlingly pricey, desirable spices like cloves, really helped spur the growth of railroads for shipping and distribution um, in America and and elsewhere. And uh, speaking of America, yeah, um, the accessibility of spices for the growing middle class really opened up in the 1900s. And so by the 1960s, we were using about a pound um, or about half a kilo of cloves per year per person. Wow. Not like all of America per person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I got you. I, I definitely think um, people have gotten more adventurous with um spices and um people do love uh their their winter holiday spices oh yeah yeah it's a it's a very nostalgic thing yeah and i i did see a bunch of these pictures of the oranges with the the cloves in them and i i bet it smells nice oh they do oh yeah yeah um and you can mm. you can just kind of kind of hang them up and they'll dry out um and stay very nice smelling um and you know varyingly weird looking for <laughs> yes <laughs> for for the yes. whole season <laughs> now i kind of want to see if somebody's done like a hail hail razor <laughs> pomodoro <laughs> oh I pomander pomander pom pomodoro is <laughs> Wow, I've been getting that wrong this whole time. Oh, well, it's okay. Um, the word, <laughs> oh, what, what, one more note. The word comes from um, from palm and ambergris, um, oh. or ambergris, um, uh, uh, which is, of course, the um, uh, stomach secretion of whales that was collected. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> as a uh, type of perfumery um, substance. Back mm. in the day. Um, <laughs> and still now. I just saw there's a shortage of that. 
Oh, it's it's mostly artificial at this point, but yeah. Um. <laughs> of course, she says. And, oh, and, and and palm, of course, being French for um for for apple. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, yes, and we did talk about that kind of the association with oranges and the holidays here and in, in Europe uh, in our orange episode. Yeah, yeah. So you can also check that one out. But for now. That is what we have to say about cloves. It is. Um, We do have some listener mail for you. We do. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter, that's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Snow. Snow. <laughs> Hellraiser's too hard to... I actually have done a Hellraiser voice. It's stuff to blow your mind. And oh. Robert Lamb sent me an email, and it's one of the best compliments I've ever given. I've ever received, excuse me. Um, it said, you are a perfect Cenobite, Eddie. <laughs> Especially coming from it. Robert Lamb, that is high praise. High oh. praise. That's wonderful. I recognize, like, I wake up every day and I'm like, oh. <laughs> You're like, savor slogan, yes. perfect Cenobite. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I also just was on there and I did a voice for Dune. Aw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that we took, well, I kind of was like, yeah, let's take this. It could have been a nice 
winter themed, holiday themed listener mail attempt, but instead Hellraiser. Because that's yeah. what that's what we're about. That is what we're about. Mm-hmm. Speaking of what we're about, Melissa wrote, <laughs> Hi, ladies. I've been working my way through Bob's Burgers and just saw this episode. Gene confronts the company that makes his favorite chocolate. Annie, I always thought you might be a Gene, but now I'm sure. <laughs> P.S. My boyfriend, a seventh generation, seriously Quebecer, on hearing there was an episode about poutine, immediately asked if it was referred to as a Canadian thing or a Quebecois thing. He felt quite vindicated by the response. <laughs> Also, also, I first encountered Smoke's Poutine when I still lived in Ontario. It was amazing. Veggie Nacho Poutine got me through college. I was stoked to find out they opened a location in Montreal after moving here, but in spite of expanding all over Canada, all the Smoke's franchises in Quebec went out of business within a few years. Too much competition? Um, open disdain from the locals towards an Ontario poutinery? <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? Um, for now, I'll have to stick to the local stuff. I've had worse problems. You, know, oh. you, you all been writing in about the poutine you've been getting, and I still haven't gotten any. And Oh, no, me mm. neither. Okay, this Lauren. is reaching, like, critical mass. It we is. To, we have to solve this. It's like the the, what do you, <laughs> the, temp, the thermometer, the temperature on the thermometer for poutine craving is, like, Almost at the top. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. All right. We'll work on it. Um, uh, in the meanwhile, Rico wrote, My grandma was Minnie Zakaria, who was known in New Jersey for the large tomatoes that she grew. She won the New Jersey State Tomato Growing Championship seven times, and her largest tomato, Big Zack, was a whopping 6.16 pounds. The day of the contest was like a holiday in my family. We'd get together with all of my aunts, uncles, and cousins and head to the mall for the big event. Attached is a photo of me and my grandma as we were awaiting the results of the 1995 contest. Uh, my bowl cut and I had to sneak up there. I recall one of her secrets for growing such large tomatoes was putting the leftover fish heads from what my uncles and grandpa would catch in the soil with the seeds. Anyone can order Big Zack tomato seeds, as Dan Sutherland did to grow his former world record giant tomato, which weighed 8.61 pounds. He also holds the current record at 10.8 pounds, but this tomato was from a different strain, apparently a Domingo variety. Ironically, I've never been a big fan of how tomatoes taste. <laughs> she would always offer me slices of fresh tomato or a cherry tomato, which I would usually decline. Every few years, I'd tried instead to see if my tastes had changed, but each time would reaffirm my unfortunate distaste for tomatoes. Nowadays, I don't mind fresh tomatoes mixed with other things, like in a caprese salad, but I still don't like eating just a tomato. I've been listening to your podcast since it started, and although I know there was an episode on tomatoes, I don't recall one on giant fruits or vegetables. I remember telling her about that episode, and she mentioned that she wouldn't mind answering any questions or being interviewed by you. Unfortunately, she passed away earlier this year, and I regret not contacting you guys sooner. So, in her honor, I am requesting a podcast episode on that very topic. My grandma heavily contributed to the book Giant Tomatoes by Marvin H. Meisner. P.S. If you ever make a podcast of your D&D adventures, I'd totally listen to it. And if you haven't heard of the PAX Unplugged gaming convention in Philly that takes place next month, I highly recommend it. Ooh. Giant tomatoes, yes, please. A giant whole book foods. about giant tomatoes. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Cool. Definitely. Yes. One hundred percent. Um, we're mm. so sorry for your loss, but so glad that you have these wonderful memories. Um, and 
Oh, giant tomatoes. Yes. It's too bad you don't like, I like it. It's one of those things, like the curse of you had this wealth of tomatoes, <laughs> fresh yeah. tomatoes. Yeah. And your body was like, nope. <laughs> I'm trying, like, I'm trying to picture the size of a, of a six plus pound tomato in my head. And like, mm. like my, like, like orange cat weighs about six, maybe seven pounds. So I'm going like, is it orange cat sized? This is a measurement of weight we should adopt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's a big tomato. All right. And and yes to the D&D adventures, um, you know, uh, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? We definitely have some stories, that's for sure. Oh, my heck. Oh, my heck, we do. Oh, yes, we do. Um, but in the meantime, thanks to both of these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SaverPod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.